Welcome to another episode of Make Defense Great Again. My name is Chris Vassar, a.k.a. Coach Vass. Welcome to the show. We have the legendary Ron Roberts up today, a.k.a. the best-kept secret in college football. The man is a living legend. Got to hang out with him this summer at ULL. Has an incredible pedigree, has an incredible coaching tree. Dave Aranda, Pete Golding, Carl Scott, Patrick Toney, among some of the highlights, the dude is a pure football coach, one of the best in the country, and he does a great job explaining his concepts and taking you through his thought process. Really great stuff. Can't wait for you to hear it. Before we get started, make sure that you're following me on Twitter, at Coach Vass, or the show's account, at MDGAPod, and also visit www.coachvass.com for the latest information got all the pop-ups there and if you want to go listen to the old series i did with usa football with the deep dive on defense that's also there lastly before we get started i just want to make sure you guys are aware of the format change in a couple weeks stretching it out a little bit we have one regularly scheduled pod next week a possible one the next week and then we're going to get into our q a format which i'm really excited about hoping that we can help you solve some problems this season Anyway, enough from me. Here's the great Ron Roberts. Let's get into it, man. My guest today is Ron Roberts, a defensive coordinator for the University of Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns. Coach, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me on, Chris. Appreciate it. Oh, no, I appreciate you. Um, I For the listeners, I got to come visit you a couple weeks ago. And, man, I was so impressed with the facilities and the coaching staff. And I got to sit and talk with you. And so when we were sitting there and I was like, you know, I know you're busy. Please come on the podcast. I'd love to have you. And I thought you were going to say, well, no, you know, I'm busy. The season's coming. And you were like, love to. So I, I'm very excited. I've been researching and studying you all this off season and it was really a blessing to be able to actually get to sit down and talk to you face to face for a while so thank you oh, okay uh you know i think it's important i'll say that off the bat i think it's kind of important to coaches give back and be open with things you know um that's how i got to where i am today was stealing from other people and, and guys were open with me and shared so i think it's important in this profession that we all do that absolutely i think a lot of guys forget that I think they forget what it's like to be in, you know, a lot of the people that are listening to this podcast shoes where they don't have access to these great minds. They don't have access, especially some of the younger guys that rise really fast. You know, I've talked to some of the some coaches that are, you know, they're they're working for these amazing defensive coordinators. And when you ask them a question, they're like, well, if you just turn on the film, you'll see everything you need to see. And it's like, well, yeah, because the last four years you've had the film narrated by Gary Patterson, Nick Saban, Ron Roberts, Dave Aranda. Like, of course, of course you're going to know it because they're literally telling you what to look for. We don't have that. So for me to be able to come to you, which coaches, if you want to learn some real football and please go to Lafayette and visit coach Roberts and coach Tony and crew. But if you, you know, to be able to sit down and pick your brain, I learned more in an hour and a half than I would have spent at a whole weekend at a clinic or 
hours and hours on a website, and it was just it's it's fascinating. So let's get into um, let's get into your career and your career path and how you ended up as the defensive coordinator with the Raging Cajuns. Yeah, um, kind of quickly uh, started out. You know, was a high school coach. Was a high school. I was a defensive coordinator in, in Tennessee. I'm from. I'm from California. I was a defensive coordinator at a high school in Tennessee in the Memphis area. Uh, went was looking for an opportunity to go back home because uh, I was spending college and stuff out in Tennessee. And then, so I took a head high school job. A young guy. I was 26 years old. Took a head high school job out in California. Uh, did that for three years. I mean, really knew that I kind of I wanted to get into college. I was mesmerized at that point, the, the, the chess match of football, the intellectual side of it, I really enjoyed. Um, so, you know, at that point, there's really two ways to go is either go back to be a GA or try to work your way up through the ranks, you know. Uh, and really, I was married, you know, had money and thought I was better off like working away. So I went there. So there, I go from high school to uh, Division three defense coordinator out in Carolina. Greensboro College, and then took a job as defense coordinator at Tusculum College in Tennessee, Division II school. And five years there as DC assistant head coach, and then went to uh, jump to uh, Texas State um, as a DC. Uh, then um, we were let go as a staff. I went back to high school. Thought I was maybe going to be done uh, with college. This whole, the whole college thing. Went back as a high school coach. Uh, then. Um, uh, a friend of mine, you know, and again, at that point really was that kind of probably this probably this was a swinging point probably in my career was I said, I really didn't want to work for anybody that I had young kids. I didn't want to work for anybody I didn't know or, or didn't trust. And uh, luckily, I mean, it worked out. This guy named Rick Rhodes was head coach of Delta State. I worked with his son and had a tremendous amount of respect for, uh, asked me to come in to be the defensive coordinator. Uh, so it was a sort of big swing of events there because I thought I was really, I was done with the cold college thing going to stay in high school and uh so i went to delta state um two years later he retired and i took the head coaching job um was there from five years as the head two years of defense coordinator five years as the head coach and then i went there to uh southeastern louisiana as the head football coach I was there for uh, six seasons and then uh after the 2017 season, uh, Billy Napier, the head coach, that uh, just got the job there at the time at University of Louisiana, um, offered me a job as a defense coordinator, and uh, I thought uh, it was a good opportunity for me to dive back into football and, and just to be a DC. That's an awesome move. A lot of guys wouldn't make that move because they want to be the head coach. They want that sort of thing. But the fact that you had a dream – you had a goal and that was more important than a title or a status or anything. You know, a lot of people say this, but you know, you, when I met you and I walked out of that room, you know, I walked in the next, the next room where my, my, one of my other mentors was sitting in there watching film. And I was just like, that guy's amazing. And the first thing that came to mind is coaches coach. You know, you have a website that people can go to actually. Yeah. Go ahead and, Go ahead and uh, mention that website real quick because this is really fascinating. Um, yeah, around uh, I think it originally started around thirteen or fourteen. I always had an idea, you know, you want to, you know, give back and stuff. But I had an intern 
that wasn't making a lot of money and he needed, you know, he needed to make money or he's going to leave. He was actually volunteering at the time and he was a real sharp guy. And, uh, so, uh, he created a website. It's called Ron Roberts football. And it's just got all I wanted was on there was videos of, of teaching technique and fundamentals and, and some scheme stuff on there too. And so, uh, well, we started the website, uh, to do that. And uh, it's been up and running now. Uh, I think we changed formats around 15, um, created a different format in the original version, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's out there. And, you know, again, for, for coaches access, we originally started off with the ideas of having a consultation and stuff like that. Now that becomes very difficult where I'm at right now. Not able to do that, but, uh, uh, hopefully we're going to get some guys and I'm going to be able to get some guys involved in it again, to be able to take over that part of it and, and really have some, it'd be hired as consultant work and coaches can come in and, and get access to whatever information they need. It's awesome. It's a great resource. But, you know, when I sat down or what's actually coach, if you wouldn't mind throwing out that URL. Oh, it's uh, Ron Roberts football.com. Yeah. There's a blog on there. There's some videos you can check and poke around and, but when I was when I walked out of the room, I just thought, you know, this guy, he's a coach's coach. He really cares about the game. He really cares about spending time with people and talking about how to make it better and, you know, just answered every question I had. And I think a lot of when you look at coaches, one of the biggest things that you can look at is their coaching tree and and the influence that they've had on other people. And you have quite some famous alumni that have worked with you among those Dave Aranda, the defensive coordinator at LSU, Pete Golding, the defensive coordinator at Alabama and Carl Scott, who coaches the secondary in Alabama. And I think that says a lot about you that you were able to mentor these coaches and, 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 and work with them and kind of teach them some things. And they went on and they, they're doing some big things right now. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, say a couple words about those guys. Cause they're, uh, they're really making an impression, and I think they're really changing the narrative of how defense is played. Yeah, they're all really bright, bright guys, bright coaches. Um, I think if anything, it just you know, I probably was very fortunate to get all those guys on my staff and be around those guys and uh, amazing football coaches. Uh, that's who really I spend most of my time with talking ball with nowadays. Um, uh, just again, I think they're guys that think outside the box. Um, and are not afraid uh, to make bold decisions and make moves that uh, are on the cutting edge and, and that are not uh, maybe with the trend with everybody else, but they go in the direction they think that uh, that is best for them and their programs or their defense. Yeah, and, and talking to them and talking to you, and it's funny because I had seen some of these concepts before, and I think as coaches, we're afraid of the new thing sometimes. And I remember hearing yeah. – you know, speaking to you and, and speaking to Coach Golding, you know, Coach Golding had done some things at UTSA where he was playing double head up twos and, and doing some things. And I've had people, you know, this says a lot about me, but I've had people suggest that in the past. I'm like, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. And to turn around and, and a lot of coaches thought that. But now you're seeing guys doing that sort of thing. And these guys, are, like you said, they're not afraid. This is what I believe in. I'm going to do it. And and you're the same way. I mean, you you do things that you feel is right. You're not going to I mean, you'll listen to other people and their suggestions, but you're not going to be swayed by popular opinion. 
And I think that's so hard, and especially a game that's such a copycat. And I, and I know I'm I'm really bad about that stuff. Like, oh, well, who did this? You know, who's doing that? You know, like, I have to make sure somebody cool is doing it. We're all, a lot of us high school right. coaches are guilty of it. We're not going to do something unless somebody famous that makes a lot more money than us is willing to do first. But those guys, and, and I got to spend some time with Coach Golding when I went to Alabama, literally left your place and went to Alabama. And man, is he impressive. Met Carl Scott. Man, is he impressive. And and obviously with you and speaking so highly of you, spending time with you, I, I can't imagine what those staff meetings were like at, uh, at Southeast Louisiana. I mean, you had you, Coach Scott, um, Coach Golding, and then Patrick Tony was with you, who we had on the podcast a couple months ago, who's I, another guy I spent time with. Love him. I Those staff meetings must have been awesome. It was, it's great when you got uh, and you got a group of guys that are all committed to one goal. And they're not ego-driven. They're not trying to uh, – they don't have any hidden agendas. They just want to learn – they just want to do football and just want to win. You know, and they just want to do put the best product out there. Uh, and, you know, it's it's not as rare as you – I mean, it's it, – well, I say it is rare, actually, in this profession. So many things in this profession are guys are, uh, you know, trying to get the next move, the next jump, and they got hidden agendas. And, uh when you just worry about coaching good football, giving the kids the best opportunity to be successful, I think a lot of good things can really happen. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And, you know, going back to the, the point about trend setting, you know, being in the business that I'm in, coaching high school football and hosting this podcast where I'm looking for trends and things that people want, I'm in an interesting position because I'm looking for these same things. So. I don't need right. a research group or focus group or do like marketing, like market research. I just be like, Hey guys, like I get on a, a Twitter thread with some of my, or a text thread with some of my friends. What are you guys looking at this off season? You know, like, what are you doing? And so, and my, and look at myself, the three big ones this off season has been the creepers and simulated pressures, the tight front stuff and three safeties and you guys this group of people has led the charge on two out of that th- out of those three things and it's really amazing that this group that was all basically on the same staff now coach Aranda worked with you at I believe at Delta State but I've been together at some point and been with you at some point in the last 10 years you know really is leading the charge in what where college football is going and I think that's really impressive to be honest with you like I said, that's a great group of minds, guys. You had together. I mean, I knew them right out of the gate. You know, those guys were really impressive. To start back in Delta State when Dave was there and Pete was his GA, and then Carl came in and uh, uh, was a linebacker GA. And uh, I mean, but off the get, off the off the bat, you know, those guys were different. They're not. Uh, they were as GAs and fresh coming in year one. Uh, you could tell, you know, they had bright minds. Anything you you gave to them, they picked it up, and they were tremendous coaches and rapport on the football field. Tremendous. That's incredible. That is really, really incredible. So let's get into it. Um, we'll start off now. Uh, we, like I, I mentioned, we had talked about creepers a couple months ago with Coach Tony, but I want to kind of get your take on it and your histories with it. So just for the listeners, creepers. And, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, is you're bringing somebody from the second or third level, you're dropping someone from the first level, playing zone coverage, 
rushing four people. Is that correct? Right. Okay. Yep. So, so I want to know your history with it and when you started using it. Okay. Um, well, we started probably, uh, this is, uh, uh, in probably the mid nineties. Um, and, uh, and then just kind of, I, well, I started, we I did some in high school and, um, didn't know what I was doing. And, you know, just <laughs> how can you bring pressure and play coverage? You know, it's like, okay, I didn't want to teach the fire zone. I didn't want to teach, I didn't want to play man. I didn't have the guys play man. What am I doing? Well, how about, you know, so at first it's kind of ugly. I mean, I would <laughs> I wouldn't recommend the way way we did it back then. It was more of a zone vacate, you know, blitz and just leave the zone open, uh, you know. But uh, uh, and then and then really in about the uh, toward the late nineties, probably the guy that really helped him is Joe Lee Dunn, who I think was evolutionary. I think he was way ahead of his time. Jolie Dunn was doing all these creepers and stuff in, in 1990, you know, uh, at University of Memphis. Uh, see, he's, he's, he's there, and I, I think he was the, to me, he's the he's the cutting edge in evolution where everything kind of started. Um, so uh, in the later 90s, I would say 98, 9, 2000, um, it was pretty much starting creepers and we started really was really just all cover three. Um, and it was, you know, started out obviously really simple, just odd man front bringing the, or bringing a field side safety or bringing the boundary side safety, slant the guys back the other way and, and play it. Um, those creep movement up front, you know, make them account for anybody in that, that front, uh, in the front seven on defense or front eight. Uh, the ability that you could bring any one of them at any given time, and uh, and and again, really just be able to be aggressive and create the movement up front, slant in the front, and then uh, as we went through, obviously from 2000 to 2010, it, it evolved quite a bit, and then uh, and the guys in our program, obviously, and Dave came in, and. Uh, you know, I was friends with him before that, but then obviously him coming in and, and, and when he left, where he took it was to a whole different level and with different coverages and stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, and that, and again, obviously going back and sharing and trying things and, you know, there's a lot of trial and error, you know, really what you're trying to get into, but, uh, essentially what's what it is. It's, it's bringing somebody that's not accounting in the four down or three down. They're not one of the additional down guys. It's bringing somebody else. And you know, and not sacrificing coverage. That's the whole thing. So by not having to sacrifice and play fire zone or or man coverage and still get to the point of attack, get the pressure you're looking for. That's great. Um, thank you for that. So when do you like to run them the most, the zone version? Or what are some of your I know they're very versatile, I know you can do them versus a lot of things, but when do you like them the most? Well, it depends on what coverage you want, really. I mean, if you're going to talk about playing uh, cover three, eight-man fronts, well, obviously it's going to stick more into that. You know, obviously they're, they're good on any rundown. Um, then it becomes really in those passing downs. It will be, you know, 50-50 down, second mediums, or it'll be third and longs. It's really depending on what pattern do you want with the coverage. Right. Um, so it's more so to me not like what do you when do you like 
creepers because you can I can go you know eight man front creepers or I can go two high creepers and do that. And uh, so it's really really about matching up what covers you want, um, how the look you're bringing. So I like them on any down. I think they're effective on any any given down. Is there anything that you don't like them? against like is there some things that you like to stay away from when you're running them um yeah i'm not a big fan of them a lot of times uh with uh you know 12 personnel that create another gap in the box i think you gotta be real careful where you're coming from who's doing what so your gap sound and i understand a lot of that too when i say when you bring them they're not all like people want to i think a lot of people assume that you're bringing them in their pass rushes and well, that's, I mean, that's not what they are. I mean, well, they can be, but you want to be able to, again, just like any other run stunt or run pressure, you want to be able to run those and make sure you're, you're a sound versus the zone reads, the zone option, or if it be high school, the triple option. I mean, you don't see a lot in college any football anymore, but are you, you know, that's when it comes matching up the, the, the pressure or the pattern with whatever you're trying to see on, you're seeing defensively. But the 12 would create another gap inside. Uh, and people sometimes just track blocking things across and they don't care if you're moving. It's like any, in any other, if you're a fire zone or a pressure team, heck, if, it, if they're, uh, if their blocking schemes are very simple and they're, you know, uh, a lot of times you're not going to affect them. Right. And it's important not to bang your head against the wall because I've been there before and it's, you know, you want to yeah. do something and you want to create chaos, but the only chaos you're creating is for yourself. Um, <laughs> Not what you, what's what's that? I said that's not very good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not a winning business model. Um, so no. When what are some of your favorite ones? Just you know, for the listeners, what are some places? If you're sitting here listening to you, you've read a lot of stuff this off season. X and O Lab had a great piece on it with Coach Tony, who was on the podcast a couple months ago. And you're sitting here. It's you know, getting close to the season. And you're thinking, well, I want to, I want to dip my toe in the pool, and I want to, I want to experiment. I keep hearing all these great coaches tell me about these things. What would be a good starting point? Uh, I think the first starting point is, is to keep it simple. I don't know. It depends on what you are. Are you an odd front? Are you even front? Are you are you multiple? And you're doing both. Um, if I was an odd front guy, I mean, I think the simple thing is just whatever bring the field. I mean, which that's been around forever. Now, right. That's not a real. You know, I mean, all he's talking about three, four front, bring the field side, outside backer, and play cover three. Whoa, three buzz. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's not evolutionary. Uh, yeah. right. I mean, that's not. You know, right. that's been around forever. Uh, so you can do that, or whether it be just plugging an inside backer and playing coverage in the odd front. I will keep it very simple on that part. Uh, if you're doing a four down, I think the simplest things, obviously, is, is to say, it goes back to the same thing bring, bring a field side safety or bring the boundary side safety. And rolling, playing cover three behind it, um, some of your you know bread and butter easy easy things to do. I think they're they can affect obviously a, a run game, especially in the spread world where they're reading uh, defenders. And you, if you're move, if you are moving the movement key, guys have problems. You know, I'm the the guy that is supposed to be the read for the. Uh, the quarterback, and all of a sudden I'm either firing him, igniting him, and dropping somebody down that same spot, um, can can create a lot of problems behind the, behind the kid pulling the trigger, you know. 
And that's what you really want to do is pose to me that started out as being a post it's post snap. My ability to put this ball in the quarterback's hands and not have to call against the coordinator. I'm not calling against him. I'm calling against this kid. And that's really what you want to get it down to. Right now, let me ask you this. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but okay. uh, I'm going to do that. All right. With, with the, with these creepers, are you designing some of them, all of them of, of one or two? Where you're saying, okay, we're gonna we're gonna make the quarterback either pull the ball and throw it, and we're having the coverage not not a typical like, all right, I'm bringing the nickel and I'm gonna roll the strong safety down over number two, but more of a a, a way to stop the RPO where I'm gonna come from this side and then drop somebody out to that side, um, in the window from the first level or maybe even the second level really coordinating, coming after the quarterback, making them pull to make the throw, and then popping a guy from a non-traditional position to get in that RPO window. Well, that's where the whole game occurs. The game within the game is that. It's it's the ability to do both. It's the ability to bring a guy on the front side of the, of the play and make him pull and make a decision fast or make him pull and you're sending the guy on a path for the RPO and you're hitting the quarterback. Right. You know, being able to do both of those on the front side of it and rolling guys down into the window. And then the other thing is obviously bringing from the back side, where obviously his eyes are not going to be in the RPO game. You know, his eyes on the RPO are going to be obviously the front side of the, of the play. And so you're bringing the guy off the back side uh, and you're dropping a front side guy from level one back into coverage. Again, trying to put somebody in that in that window. And again, it's the ability, it goes, but it's the same thing. I, to me, I equated back to, you know, when in the early nineties, you know, when I was coaching high school ball and, you know, about seven of our teams we faced were either in a wishbone or some kind of version of triple option. And you had to either, you, you couldn't just sit and squeeze. You had to sit and squeeze. And then next time you had to have a guy take the dive and then you had, and then you wanted to be able to have a guy he actually is taking the dive and he climbs to the, the quarterback, right? And he's switching up who the dive quarterback players are. So they don't always have a consistent load player on the front side of the formation. Well, the only thing to me with spread option as they've done is instead of it being a pitch guy's eight yard behind line of scrimmage, the pitch is downfield. So they still got the dive. They got the quarterback pole. And now the pitch is occurring down the field. And now you've got to do is build differentiate and change up who is taking the pitch, who's taking the quarterback, who's got the dive. And it was just all the mechanisms. To me, it's the same game. You just, you, you're, you're still trying to just change up who those pieces are to, to slow a quarterback down or make him hesitant with, with the football and make him hesitant with his read. So he makes, makes, you know, makes a mistake. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think um, for my own money and coach, you can tell me what you think about this for coaches. If you're going to see, especially in high school, where you're going to see a team try to do the Tua Tagovailoa stuff where I'm running this way, but I'm actually throwing the RPO on the other side, I think the Creepers yeah. can be really effective because if you know that, you drop the end into that window where he's looking and you're bringing pressure to the back, I wouldn't want to run that, that kind of scheme into a Creeper because you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. Well, that's what's really kind of happened, I think, in the last, especially the last 10 years in, in, in football, high school, college, across the board, is that people's coordinators are so good and they're so much better 
at, uh, at teaching the quarterback and the decisions and having answers that if you sit in a, in my opinion, and there's plenty of people who do it and play great defense, but in my opinion, if you, if I sit in that, you know, four down over front, whatever I'm playing quarters, you know, whatever, how I'm doing it, um, then they're going to have the chalk last and you've got them in a comfort zone where they, they actually feel they can't be wrong. They're never, right. they're never wrong. And when, and if that happens, the quarterback ever feels he's never wrong. He's always got a live play and you, you're going you're gonna to have problems in your hands. And oh, you know, and they'll I mean, let you know it. They'll let yeah. you know that yeah. they don't, that they don't think they're wrong and that they've got to play. Believe me, you talk to them <laughs> and you're like, I think I'm going to quit coaching defense because they have the answer every time. And I kind of, I kind of admire yeah. the confidence where, like on Sundays, I'm like, "We're gonna lose. I don't want to coach football next season. The world is ending." And then by Wednesday, you're like, "All right, I'm feeling okay. You know, you're feeling better." But those guys, it's oh, well, we're just gonna do this. Well, we're just gonna do that. And it's like, oh, well, I, I, I okay. Like you, you start to feel like, okay, well, maybe yeah. I, maybe I don't have this figured out. And then I talk to somebody like you, and I'm like, hell yeah, let's go. I got answers. Yeah. I think there's two there's two forms of defense out there. You either are going to be a reactionary defense, or I'm going to adjust things, and I'm going to react to whatever you do. And then there's the style where I'm going to dictate what you do, and I'm going to force the issue. And uh, whether I do that, like I said, with man pressure, fire zone, or whatever else, there's a couple of ways to do that. But I think that's two different. Those are two different animals, and you got to decide which one you want to be. And there, hey, there's guys that skin the cat. I mean, they've won national championships and Super Bowls doing both cases. So they don't, they're not saying one's right or one's wrong. But as this world changes in football, and so many of these coordinators get so much better. I mean, there's there's guys right now in high school football that are coaching the passing game better than majority of college coaches ten years ago. I mean, they're the, the the they have sped up the learning curve, and these young guys coming out learning this all they know is the RPO world, and uh, they are so far ahead and comfortable with what they're doing. And again, they you know they're gonna think they're never wrong. But the thing is, defensive coaches you gotta always understand is that we don't have the right to punt. Exactly. You know? We oh yeah, you can't turn around and say, oh my bad. Hey, let's punt this one. We don't have this series. They kind of got us. You know, you don't have that. You don't have that privilege on defense. You know, yeah. so we got you got to be ready. You got to be ready to adjust it. You have to have the answer because if you don't have the answer. The band's playing, and it's not your band. <laughs> I you I, I literally, I literally said the same thing a few weeks ago, and I said, if three bad things happen in row on offense, you get to punt. Yeah. If three bad <laughs> things happen in row on defense, somebody's band's fixing to play, and I'm gonna bet it's not yours. And then, furthermore. <laughs> If you want on defense, if you want to eat, you got to hunt. You got to go out there and you got yeah. to make something happen. You yeah. can't just sit back and go, oh, well, we didn't do we didn't do so well that time. Here you go. Here's the ball. You know, yeah. there's your exact yeah. God. You're exactly right. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And another thing it's hard is these RPO guys and going off on a little bit of a tangent, but these RPO guys have changed the math. You know, five years hmm. ago you would say, okay, well, if you're too high split safety, you want to chase the dive so you can get the ball knocked out to your overhang, like on zone read. Like, we're going to chase and spill to your overhang. And if you're one high, you want to sit because you're gapped out. You don't need to spill the ball. You've got enough people in the box. 
Now it's the mm-hmm. other way around. And this offseason to me, and last offseason has been changing that math. I was remember I was talking to somebody and they said, Well, you know, if you're if you're at two high, you have to sit the end and play games away from the back and knock the ball out. And if you're in one high, then you can chase the dive. And my head almost exploded. I'm like, wait, 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 what? And I think what's what's hard for guys, and it's funny, one of my buddies that listens to the podcast, his friend always says he feels like he's listening to somebody have a live identity crisis on air because I am. I mean, I I ran split safety quarters for years. We were very successful, won a lot of games. Um, it, it's been good to me. And now all of a sudden I go to these clinics and everybody's telling me, well, if you keep doing the thing that you've been really good at, uh, you're going to get killed. And we're not at the point where it's happened yet. And so it's kind of like you're taking that leap on faith. Like, okay, here's this thing I've done well and been successful at. And I haven't been hurt yet, but people keep telling me if I keep doing this, this is what's going to happen to me. And you could see it like you you can see it on paper and you can see the film and you're like, All right, it's the hurricane's coming. I need to have an adjustment. It's that it's that old coaching thing, because you've always you know, you say as a coach, like, don't don't change stuff too much. You know, do with what you're good at. Don't do the latest fad. Not that I'm saying that what you're doing or anybody's doing a fad, but you know, do what you believe in. But all I keep hearing is what you believe in is going to get you in trouble. And so it's like this kind of balance, this fine balance of, okay, what do I, what do I keep? What do I get rid of? What, where do I branch out? And I know not just me, a lot of coaches are going through that right now where it's like, you know, they're trying to take this leap of faith. And that's why one of the auxiliary reasons why I want to do this podcast is to say, okay, guys, I, I feel your pain. Like I'm one of you. I feel your pain. Let's go get answers together. So anyway, I'll put, yeah. I'll, I'll put my soapbox away. It's okay. You know, uh, in my opinion too, I don't think they're, they're telling you that I don't think they're right. I think you're playing whatever you want to play. You don't play four down quarters and do that. I mean, I think he had a lot of, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't think it even phase RPO world. That's good. If you're coaching good football, defending things and kids are teaching, it still goes back to keys and technique and fundamentals, you know? And then, uh, what I always, what I think helps though sometimes guys is that uh, I, 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 I don't know. I kind of analogies a lot of times. So I say to our guys that it, it's, it's like baseball. I'm a pitcher, and I got to have my change up, my curveball. Now those aren't my bread and butters. The change up, and the curveballs there, so I can blow my fastball by you on the money downs. Mm-hmm. You know, and what? Yes, you you need to have enough change up and curveballs, but if. Yeah, four down quarters is your, is your is your fastball, and that's what you believe in. That's what you love. I don't I don't see any problem with that. You know, I mean, I think it's I think it's good. I think it's good defense. You know, uh, but I think in today's world with people, it's all about with the lookovers and the quarterback's ability to check and all that stuff. You got to be careful of them having the chalk last. Right. Well, I'm gonna just clip the audio from this that you just said, and I'm gonna have this on my phone. And when I'm feeling sad and lonely about my defensive plan, I'm going to play that on repeat and I'm going to feel better about myself. And I might you give you a call in season and be like, coach, I need a pep talk. I'm ready to yeah. go odd front yeah. one high. And I, I just, you gotta, you gotta help me. No, I, I, yeah. And all joking aside, I mean, I think that there, I'm glad to hear that because there's been so much stuff this off season where, you know, I talk to a lot of guys that are kind of in the same boat and, it's fascinating to have these conversations where it's like this, we, we feel like this tidal wave is coming 
And and that's yeah. what I really that's what I really enjoy about doing what I'm doing right now is, you know, I don't have all the answers. I if I did, I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be calling people and asking questions. I would just do something where I talk the entire time. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. I think there's a real vulnerability to what we're doing because it's real. Like what we're doing is real. Like we have these questions. I'm calling you to talk to you. Obviously, we're on air. We're creating a podcast so other coaches can hear it. But I'm going through this stuff. You know what I mean? So it's as silly as it sounds. It's refreshing to hear these things. It's refreshing to hear like you can still do this. You can still be what you are and you don't have to change. Here are some tools in case you get into some trouble, but keep your foundation. And so anyway, I I appreciate that. And I'm sure there's a lot of coaches that are going through an identity crisis themselves. Appreciate that, too. So let's yeah. talk about some specific creepers. Um, what are some stuff you like? We kind of talked about zone read. Um, you know, is there anything else that you like if you're trying to stop a, a zone read team in the creeper world? Well, I mean, if it's zone read uh, with the and it's a it's a run threat, I think it's two different. Things. You know, what are they? Are they zone read and the quarterbacks the, is a threat running the football? Uh, I think normally you're going to want to be able to pressure the back, get in the front seat, and ability to take him away. So whether it's in a certain call or it's a tag on a call that you tell that edge guy to be a quarterback player. Um, because it still comes down to, I mean, you know, do you want to take the best guy away? You know, is right. he the guy or is it the tailback the guy? Um, you know, like our, our bread and butters would be two off the edge, you know. And we're going to bring two off the edge with ideas that one of them's a dive and that was a quarterback player um, as the four down front. Um, so, you know, how are you going to handle the bet now when the RPO is different? You know, so also they tag the RPO in that thing. Um, you know, the you know the basic one is if they're two by two, you know, is, is it rolling the safety down to 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 be over the number two on the RPO? If it's about the glance, look, those type, you know, uh, the, the quick hitters inside of the slot. Uh, but uh, so many people are doing now. I mean, they know numbers and they're going to get it. So they're going to get three to us. They're going to get four or four to a side loaded, and they're going to run. Uh, and run the RPO off of that. And so, okay, how are you going to get guys in those windows? And it's not just get them in the windows. It's ability to give some of them the the ability to say, "Where are you at in the in the in the, in the fit?" Uh, I'm a coverage guy. I'm a coverage guy first. I react to the run. Can you take those guys out so they have the RPO responsibility and say he's a coverage to action player as opposed to an action and reacting to coverage? That's where they get you in the RPO world. You get the wrong guy, you bring him the same creeper. Oh, listen, I'm bringing a strong side safety off the front side, and I'm rolling down to three, but I'm in three. I'm in a three high post safety defense, and you know, they got the number three, and he's working up the whole simple one little pop game of the three. And you got your backers sticking in a play because he's playing run. And guess what? That free safety is not taking that big on pop. He's not handling it. That thing will be there all day long. Right. You know, so whether you do that with the backer coming and let the safety roll down to be the hook player or whether you, you know, you switch that thing up and or you bring him, let the backer be a, a, a coverage player. And can you get that done? I know some of the high school, I mean, I coach high school, I mean, if you got a guy in your system, yeah, he's been there from a sophomore, junior, senior. Sure, you got a chance. You got a guy coming in there, he's a sophomore. You know, oh my God, can you? How much can you get done with him? You know, 
And uh, it's the same thing. I'm the same thing in college. And we're going to get freshmen that they, they sometimes when they go to when they go to college, those those high school seniors that know everything when they get to college, they they don't know if their head is you know is it on or is it glued. You know, they're they're trying to figure <laughs> out what life's about. And uh, so when you're dealing with younger players, it's just it's all about to me is what can you get done schematically. But so that's why it's not picking all these things, it's having a few of them and having the answers to it. I had another guy who was a, a GA for me, just got his first coordinator's job. And he was, and we were just talking about that the day was, you know, Hey, what do you think? What do you do? You know, I was saying, was, Hey, don't do too much. You got to make sure wherever you do and you have the answers to it, you know? Um, and that's probably the world I think some guys get into is you want to do all this stuff because it's cool. You want to do all this stuff because you saw somebody else do it. And then if you don't know it well enough, then you don't know the answers to when they hit you. And that's the problem. Coach what you know. You know right. Uh, don't go to the infect, go to the clinic, put it in. Oh, we got whoa, 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 whoa. You know, and then, you know, something bad happens and you, you don't know the answer. And uh, I think that's that's the biggest thing. That's why I, I always think, I mean, defense is – it's not as complicated sometimes as we make it. You know, it's it's. I always go back to this. It's for make. It's formation recognition and the plays that come off it. They've got to be able to recognize formations and the plays that come off those things, and then be able to play the play. You know, and, and if you can slow the game down enough for those kids to do that, I think you'll be pretty good success in whatever you choose to do. Whether you do that at quarters or you do that out of a post defense or whatever else. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing takeaway from what you just said is for me is as you're going to put something in, you better know how to fix it. And defense is yeah. contingency planning. And if you're going to do something, if you're going to run something, that's why I've always been leery about changing the structure of the defense that I run. Even if I think something's quote unquote better, which is you know subjective because I know how to fix it. I know how to anticipate right. what's coming. I know how to fix it. And I have answers built into that. And so if you're going to go to a clinic, like you said, like if I'm going to come, when I came and visited you, I picked some things up. My first question is, well, how are we going to get attacked? Because I don't want to wait till it happens and go, oh, I got to come up with something on the field in the middle of the game. Like, that's not going to be great. So having that plan. And one other thing that you said that I think is really going to start changing coaches. This is very, very important. And I picked this up coming seeing you. Start identifying players that are coverage to action or action to coverage say give them like red light yellow light green light or red light green light like okay if there's a run you can pull the pin and go if you see a run don't you're gonna sit 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 and until you see the ball is handed off then you can go that's huge i think that you either need to conceptually start assigning that to players or you need to start telling the players that you know, when you give that casker or whatever, call alignment stance, key, run to, run away, pass, I think coaches need mm-hmm. to add RPO, and I think you need to tag, are you coverage to action, or are you action to coverage? Also, something yeah. else you said, are you attack and react, or are you a react and attack? That is very, very important in, the, in today's game. Yeah, I think I think it's, it's, it's became more prevalent, especially with the RPO game. It kind of changed the way, whatever, 10 years ago, kind of changed the, how we uh, even teach run support in the back end, you know? Right. Can't teach the same way you used to. It used to be, I, I, I got a little hat to pull my trigger and let's go. Can't do that. You're going to get your eyes shot. You're going to get, yeah, you get your eyes shot out. <laughs> yeah. If the if the tackle blocks down, you're ready for the ball to bounce. So the tackle. I mean, how many times have you told an overhang defender, 
If you see the tackle, tackle block out, go fill that B-gap right now. Well, yeah, okay. Well, you just got a slant thrown over your head for 10 yards. And, you know, to me, it used to be, well, okay, you're going to run zone read and the quarterback just zone read bubble. You're going to hand the ball off to the back or you're going to make mm-hmm. him pull it, run and throw that bubble. Well, that's harder than just handing the ball off. Well, today's game, these quarterbacks are so good. It's like sometimes I'd rather you hand the ball off because I'd rather do that than try to defend a glance route for a safety coming off the roof. You know what I mean? It's just it's an easy throw. Right. There's a big uh, percentage or chance that that guy misses a tackle and he's gone. And so I think that's why you're seeing more teams sit the end and play, play with the B gaps and things away from the ball to say, hey, instead of trying to defend all four plays in one, let's just defend one. Let him hand the ball off. Let's do something to get the ball bounced and then go run it down. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, that's that's basically it, you know. Uh, if you're going to make him pull the football, you need to make sure you're right in your coverage. <clears throat> if you're going to make him hand the ball off, just make sure you've got somebody account for the ball. Uh, make sure your gap's sound on the back end. Right. Do you have any other creepers that you like versus 11 personnel? The other question I get a lot of is 11 personnel, why off? Where those guys yeah. are either staying on that side and running the zone cut play where it's cutting to that same side. They're trying to cut it back and just get vertical penetration or where that guy is coming back across. Do you have any creepers or anything that you like versus that type of stuff? Well, not necessarily maybe creepers or anything, but I think conceptually everything is about either I'm either going to add numbers to that side by slanting into it or I'm going to, you know, or I'm going to, I'm going to bring somebody from that side and crash those guys down. The problem on the face part of it, if you come into the face part of the downplay on the same side zone, uh, you know, you're going to get, a lot of times they're going to get picked up in the wash. So now you, your edge player has to really has to be a, a dive player in my world. I, I believe he's got to be a dive world because you know, they're going to zone. They're going to, if he's slanting, they're going to wash him, you know, but if you can bring the edge player underneath, let him be the dive player and scrape the backer, that's a change up on the front side. Uh, otherwise you're better off cruising coming from the backside, slanting into it and be able to add guys that way. Yeah. I've seen a lot of that this off season. I spoke with a coach that said, you know, our offensive line coach is tired of running those cutter plays or whatever you want to call it, where he's coming across. Because if teams are falling back, um, you know, or if teams aren't falling back, they can point. But if they are falling back, it's harder because they have to readjust their point and their count and all this stuff. So now what teams are doing is they're just sticking that guy on the side of the back and they're blocking zone. But it's almost like a gap scheme. Like we're all going to go down. Yeah. And now if you fall back or track or whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm going to stay on my track. I'm going to hand the ball. I'm going to hit that thing on that side. And, you know, with zone reads and things, our defenses have become so used to, I think that's why power read was so hard because you had things going the same direction when it first came out. We were so used to split. We're going zone right, quarterback keep left. Now it's the the back, you know, everything's going to the right, but that back is kind of staying on that same side. You need you need to be thicker over there. You need two guys over there. Uh, what yeah. about counter and power? What, what, um, what are some of the things? Is there any creepers or anything? Any, any, you know, just speaking specifically about creepers right now. We'll get to some other stuff in a bit, but is there anything that you really like versus that sort of things? Well, I mean, if you got a beat on where it's and where the twins two uh, two counter, obviously there's the the, the G Y counter, and there's G T. 
you know, GT's come back very heavily, especially in college football. Some, you know, the Oklahomas, the Memphises are making a, you know, a, a lot of name on that. Um, it's a tough play, you know. Um, so if you have a beat on that, obviously, I think anytime you're doing those type of things, if you bring two off the edge, and spilled so you can have somebody chase, go ahead and chase the dive down. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. I think you can do it too. This both ways. I mean, I think that's why I think they're effective on either side because I can chase it and try to be able to chase the dive down of the counter from the backside, or otherwise bring it from the front side, and you got to be ability to hit that because hopefully you're hitting it so deep <laughs> that there is no there's no lanes to run in. You know. So that's ideal. I mean, I think, again, I think any two off the side, either side, should, is is a problem. Right. Let's go ahead and get in the simulated pressure world. So could you, for the audience, kind of talk about what a simulated pressure is to you? Okay. All right. Well, when I, when I think of simulated pressure, Okay, exactly what the term means. You're trying to simulate pressure. So I, I as a play caller, classify him really in this world of this that I am. I got to show the ability of bringing six. So I'm, I you know, our simulates or uh, something where I've got six in the box. I'm giving the pressure that I'm bringing six, heating him up. So he's thinking he's got to get the ball out of his hands now but I'm only going to rush four. Okay. In a, in a simpler world, people, a lot of people will classify and say simulated pressures are rushing four, any four and playing man coverage behind it. That's simulated pressure. Well, if you, it depends, if you're not giving the simulation that six are coming, I don't think you're getting that world, what you, what you, what they're really intended for, what you want. You know, the idea is the quarterback gets the ball in his hand now, the ball that he throws or he checks to a run and you build and you tackle the thing, you know? So it's, those are two different things to me. Um, or we would kind of classify them as man creepers, right? And simulated pressure being, I'm giving you a lose. I'm bringing six. Gotcha. So it's or not set, just a straight set. up creepers or zone simulators or man. No. Okay, because some people think that, including including myself, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go on record yeah. here. Yeah. So okay, that that that's good. You know. Yeah, I mean now a lot of our main creepers are simulated pressures, and a lot of you know what I mean a lot of, there's a lot of crossover, but it depends. Uh, if you're just you know I mean I got whatever, well, I got to have somewhere in there which they all crossover is the ability to look like I'm the ability to bring in six. Let's go through some of the different types of, of sim pressures and 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 we can talk about man creepers. I, I specifically wanted to talk about man to man, where you are you are bringing somebody from the second or third level and dropping or ratting or doing something with somebody from the first level. So, you know, we could talk about some of the stuff where you're running the cross uh, cross dog blitz in the a gap, where you're not showing it, or where you're walked mm-hmm. up and bluffing out. But any sort of Let's talk specifically man pressures to stop the pass, whether it's a you know third down, two minute, fourth down, uh, the other team's behind by two scores with only like six minutes left. A situation where you know they're throwing the ball or you think they're going to throw the ball, obviously you want to be good versus screen in the draw at some point. 
but where you mm-hmm. think they're going to pass the ball and you want to play man coverage. Let's talk about, you know, the protection that everybody sees the most, half slide. What are some things that you like versus half slide protection? Well, if I'm, if it depends, a lot of times you can dictate the protection. Um, if I get six, if I have appearance of six up, I don't care how they are, or five up, I put five on the line of scrimmage and nine, nine times out of ten, the nine times out of ten, they're going to five over at the front. So they're going to take the five most dangerous, and the running back's going to take the whoever the sixth guy in the box is. So gotcha. when by just by, just by presentation, I can kind of simulate. I can get the protection I want. So knowing that if I give five up, and you got the back, and the backer's got the running back, my backer's got the linebacker. If I bring that backer, and I get occupied, and I occupy the center with the other one. I know I'm going to get one-on-one on the running back. All right? Now, the rest gotcha. of them, I don't give a crap if they, if they, if they come or not. <laughs> yeah. You know, at that point, you can drop eight. You can drop eight if you like. You know? So, that's the whole thing. You know, okay, so the idea is, can I make this running back, the guy that they don't want protection, can I make him protect? You know? Um, and then there's obviously the whole puzzle with that you know can he throw hot can he is it, are they going to free release him anyway and and uh, and his ability to throw off the guy but just for protection reasons uh so uh it's a whole idea is really trying to get a guy on the running back and again and hopefully in the face of the quarterback and uh and you're hopefully exposed to protection you know playing the man part depends on a lot of times you know it doesn't match the to me not all again it doesn't match the routes you know, whether I'm going to play simulated and play man man free with a low hole player, or do we want to play simulated with a too high matchup underneath is going to depend on how do we want to, how does it work versus the coverages? What are they doing? Like, you know, if you're that, they're going to, if they run man beaters and they can, and that tailback can block, I mean, you're, you're, you're probably going to be in trouble. You know what I mean? They're going to pick and rub routes and, and that tailback can block your backer. That's what the other question is. Can my backer win one-on-one? And he doesn't have to get the sack. What he's got to do is affect the quarterback. You know, so many quarterbacks, the percentage completion drops tremendously. If I can just make him move off the spot, you know, if I can make him shuffle over three, four steps and throw the football, uh, they don't see the field as much. Some quarterbacks can't even in college. Some can't, they, they see the rush. They, they can't, they can't handle it when you bring six or at least illusion of simulated pressure. You know, their eyes drop. They start seeing the rush. They don't see the people, and they're going to flush. They're running. Now, that also can be, uh, you know, uh, be a negative. You're in man coverage in the back end. You flushed him. Can you get him down? You know? Right. So some right. things look, look cute look cute on the drawings and look cute on Sunday when you know, you're trying to draw it up on a game plan. But the reality of it is, okay, yeah, oh, we can get him. We can get him off the spot. We're going to make him run. Well, hold on a second. How good an athlete is he? He's really good. Well, how good are we <laughs> at that low right. player? Can he run? Right. Him, can he run him down? No, he can't run him down. Well, that's a problem, brother. We don't need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can get him off spot and make him run, but it ain't what you want. Yeah, rush three bull and keep your eyes on him. <laughs> at that point, right. well, I think what right. you said is important for for people to hear, including myself. Is you know it's not always about sacks. And I think that we get sucked in with the numbers and we're looking for these big blinding hits or these sack fumbles and which home you're wrong are great. But 
you know, if it's third and 10 and I can make a guy pull it down and make a bad throw that isn't even catchable, I should look at that as a win rather than, oh, we didn't get the sack. We failed. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. And so yeah, I no, think some people are feast and famine. And I think there's some coaches that are like that, that are like, they get so affected by overloading the protection that they want a clean run through with nobody. They want that like glory sack. And it's like, now you've screwed up the coverage and you've given everybody one-on-ones and you've, you've sacrificed a lot just for that like glory shot. And you know, that's not, that's not what you want. <laughs> you want to yeah, make sure they're yeah. punting. <laughs> I mean, if you can get the free yeah. extra seven yards, whatever, but as long as they're punting to you, you're good. Now, yeah. uh, how much, and this might be a really hard question to ask, but, or answer, how much of what you're doing when you're game planning these pressures, these third down package, how much of it is you're trying to break the protection and the rules versus trying to get matchups and beat people? I mean, is it one and the same? Is it, you know, what are you looking for primarily, or is it all mixed together? Can you even answer that question? Yeah. I mean, I think it's I think it's a two-part question, really, is can you find a flaw in the protection or can you find a problem, you know, a problem with the, the, you know, I mean, having a beat on the protection. I go, like, do you have a beat on the protection? What's exactly what's going to happen? Who's going to block, you know, where's everybody going to set? And then there's a probably we actually, you go and we watch personnel and we find the weakness, you know, and sometimes that's the easiest thing there is. I can rush for, get, However, you got to have a system to do this. How can you move your best pass rusher inside on a guard that is a weak link, and then make sure he's in one on one? He's not getting help from the center. Right? You know, do you have the Do you have the ability to do that? If I can do that, I can rush four, get a one on one on the weakest guy, you know, and play coverage. And that's that's just as good as blitzing six and and you know and pressuring him. Right. I, I'm I'm guilty of that. I I'm always looking. I think I I think scheme first, people second, and I need to yeah. do a better job of attacking. You know, getting the matchups. Last year we did a better job of that, and it was something that I really worked on. But my brain always wants to go to being a protection, and which again, that's great. I mean, yeah, we played a we played a team that will remain nameless that's really good and beat us both times soundly, and they were just better football team all around at that point in the season. And maybe even at the end of the season, and uh, we got in a up up look with uh, both backers in each A, and um, you know double threes, and we had a three hundred seventy pound three technique um, that uh, went to UCLA after blowing his Achilles. Started for UCLA eight months after blowing his nine months after blowing his Achilles, and. I figured out that if we did that, if we got in that look, the the guard would step down on the mic and they would put the back on the three technique. <laughs> well, oh, geez. Yeah. yeah. And I can tell problem. you what we, I can tell <laughs> you what we did. And so, you know, they obviously yeah. it wasn't enough because we got throttled, but it's one of those things like when you can find that where it's balanced, where you're beating the protection and you're scheming up one-on-one, but I think it's, it's so hard because a lot of us, because coaches, I know myself, uh, you know, I'm looking at X's nose on a board and I, and I, I sometimes forget, especially in high school that, you know, my best blitzer, my best blitzing linebacker is usually by best cover guy. And he's my best, you know, my fastest, he's good. He's the best at everything where I think as you get older, guys have more defined skills 
Well, it's just when you have a team with a lot of really good players, one guy is going to be better at one thing than the other, and you're looking, but, you know, looking at getting those guys matched up and, and winning those matchups. I think last year we got into double threes, walked the mic up over the center, and we got one-on-ones, and, and we popped the guy out, and we played all of our four rush, our, our rush four coverages, and they were fantastic. And I think yeah. something as simple as that is is huge. I don't know. I mean, I, that's how I feel, I, and I, I know you feel the same way. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Uh, I I was talking to a coach not too long ago, and he was saying that, you know, I drew up the double A gap stuff, and he said, well, we would keep our half slide on, and we would put the back in the A gap. And then when we got into a 5-0 look where we only walked one of the guys up, he got in a bob, or 5-0, or whatever you want to call it. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you see that, too? Do you see teams react differently to showing six up on the line rather than five? Or is it the same? Yeah. Now, traditionally, I mean, I'm saying that's I'm saying traditionally. Not everybody obviously does it. Most of them, when you walk six up, they're going to squeeze it. They're all going to block back. The back's going to take the edge, you know, because they don't want to put a back on an A gap blitzer. Because you do that, I mean, I'm going to be in a quarterback's face at two yards, and he better have to get the ball out, you know. So majority of teams. If you walk six up, they're going to squeeze it. So you get a question, do you want them to squeeze it? If I want them to squeeze it, I need to be pressure off like this. You can walk two up in the A gap, get them to squeeze it, and bring two off the edge. Now I got the tail back in a bind. You know what I mean? Right. I got one inside, one outside of it. And now you got it. So it's about really, if you're going to dictate the protection, like so, so if I want to, hey, if I want to get you in a 5 0, so I'm going to walk one up so I can get you in a 5 0. I don't want to squeeze. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to run the guy, then I want to run the guy through the A gap from depth. So that I can make sure I get him on the running back, right? Yeah. Well, so, and and that's just everybody. You go through their film, you find out how they how they you know you got to find the little pressure looks and say, hey, what did they do? But in college, that's I mean that's probably ninety percent true. I mean it's six up. They're going to slide it one way and they're going to put it back on the edge, or they're going to block you know block the five most dangerous and they're going to free release the back if you can throw off of them. You know, and if you walk five up, they're going to five over it. Well, this is a great question then, because in high school, it's not 90%. We get, I see all sorts of stuff. And furthermore, a lot of the teams, especially early in the season, you don't have film on how they're going to react. Now, I have advantages and (laughs) I have advantages over you and you have advantages over me as a college coach. The disadvantage that I have is that a lot of guys at the high school level aren't doing this. We don't get all of the film in non-league. So we're trying to guess. Yeah. The advantage I do have over you, though, is I get to watch this game on the sideline on an iPad between series, which I don't believe you guys have yet. I don't think you're allowed to do that, correct? No. Uh-uh. So no. what would you tell a coach like myself who does this sort of thing? If you if you were flying blind, so to speak, and how would – well, if you're flying blind, you don't know how they're going to react. Let's say you have both of these packages. You run – because when we carry into a game – we usually have the ability to get double A gap pressure. So show six, four down, double threes, double A gap pressure. We have the ability to get in double threes, walk one guy up to get five O. And then one of the things we love to do, and it's not a secret if you've ever played us, is we like to get in the three down and walk a guy over each guard. How would you create a menu or how would you create like a checklist or a menu to say, okay, it's the first third down. We're going to show double A gap, four down double three techniques, both backers up in each A gap. Here are 
what you think they're going to do. So even if it's the first time mm-hmm. you drop everybody or you decide, hey, I'm going to bring this blitz. How would you do it if you didn't know that and you were saying, OK, I'm going to create some sort of menu effect to say, OK, well, if they're going to do this, then we're going to do that. What would be kind of some like if then stuff? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, when I was coaching, you know, when we started out, a lot of people weren't pressuring and things like that. So the same kind, of, you know, I mean, same type of looks, you know, uh, I would get in whatever, 2000, 2005, six, seven, eight, you know, uh, I may go last four or five games and, and nobody's shown many of those looks, you know? Uh, so, you know, basic thing would be, is, Hey, the first time we knew always in the game, I was going to show up like that third down. I'm going to say, like you said, Hey, I'm going to bring, we're going to go double a gap and make sure the guy in the box and me both know we're looking to find out how did they protect it? You know? Mm-hmm. So if, if they, if they going to squeeze it and everybody blocking the backs on the edge, then we knew, knew what our next answer was. Right. If they five out it and put the running back on the back, then we knew we were probably going to continue to run it. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, if, if, uh, if I did it, it the same thing or vice versa, if you went with the five out, if you want the, the one up, so I went mm-hmm. one up. Now I want to know, Hey, did they check five Oh? And we want us to also educate some of our kids of what we're, I think that's something that a lot of coaches don't do. And educate the kids what you're looking for. You know, Hey, look, when we do this, they should five Oh it. I mean, you're going to hear the center is going to say something or the quarterback. And you're going to hear him yell, bear, 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 five Oh, blue, 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 whatever their call is, they're going to communicate something up front, you know? And so we want to know, hey, if they're five zero in it, okay, great. We know as soon as I walk him up, I get, I'm gonna get straight man protection, you know. And then you, whatever you're gonna do, off the same thing. I know how I might attack the back off that the next part, whether it be through the other a gap or off the edge. But you know that back is now in a if they're five zero, that back's in a scan. He's a coast to coast scan. He's got to go both sides, you know. So that would be our package. So maybe we may not get him on the first down, first third or the second one. But hopefully by you know that 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 third and fourth fifth one and that's the ones you want. Hopefully you you kind of know what they're going to do and what your answer is going to be. Right, gotcha. Um, so let's kind of are there any other? I guess before we move to the next topic, are there any specific uh, sims that you run that wouldn't be giving away state secrets that you could give to coaches as something to say? Hey, here's a starting point. Um experiment with this without uh without giving away the giving away the goods <laughs> yeah i mean i mean i think two of them we just talked about and they're pretty prevalent in nfl all the way down college high school football you know it'd be the uh bringing two threes bring both a gaps and then have the two edge rushers uh train off the back you know so one of them blitz pill and the other one's gonna be a whole player you know that's a simply you know symbols one if you're gonna get them um, you know, and again, then again, you're going off that. Hey, what do they do? Are they going to squeeze it? And you should still, are you going to hug rush the guy, the edge rusher who has the back anyway, which now it turns into, should turn into a five man protection because he should go ahead and bull rush through the back. It should be a five man rush. So he should go ahead and bull rush through the back and you get his, you know, and you can get the, at least get the, the heat in the face of him and play a man free if that's what you want to do coverage wise. Um, uh, there's that one. If you're an odd front team, you know, whether it be just getting in the five, you know, a bear look or a five down look, or if you're a three, four team 
you know, same thing, bring them, right? So I'm bringing one of the backer up, the, um, up the, I'm plugging them in the A-gap, right? I'm taking both three techniques or four eyes or however, I don't know what your base front is, you know, and I'm coupling them through, through the B-gap for contain. And the two outside rushers, again, have the, whatever, train the back and, and play low hole, high hole off of that. Or you can do that and play zone. You know, that's the thing. We're going to go a gap. We're going to go double a gaps, and we have different ways. We can go double a gaps, play straight man, rushing six or seven, and bring another guy with it. Or go double a gaps, play robber off the off the back with the two edge rushers, right? Or we'll go double a gap and play a zone behind it. Right, because it is one of the things. It's one of the. It is one of the blitzes that's going to determine protection and give us pressure. We used to. I mean, I went for years. The first thing was, in every game, I knew I was going to bring double a gap and I'll find out how they're protecting it because that's going to tell me next. And the next thing I was going to get in is get a bare front, and I'm going to bring the mic in the a gap and find out what they did. You know, can you block them versus pressure? Right. Well, and and you know, coaches, my my two cents on this, for whatever it's worth, is be prepared. To bring everyone because you know all high school coaches you know what i'm talking about and i've talked about this on a previous podcast simulated pressures and creeper well creepers for run is one thing but creepers or sims for pass can be different <laughs> from the high school world because i was in a game one time where we brought a sim and we brought four and we dropped it and they didn't adjust and so if we had just brought the guy in the a gap just straight ahead we try to get cute early. And so we drop yeah. the guy. They pick it up because they didn't react how we thought they were going to react. They picked it up. And if I had just brought both guys in the A-gap, we would have hit the quarterback. And I was sitting there going, damn it, I just outsmarted myself. You know what I mean? Like, you have to have that oh, yeah. in your package. Even if it's, I, I'd say, once or twice a game, be ready to do it. Because if you think you're just going to come out there and you're going to rush four every time and you're not going to bring the six, you know, they're going to have answers and somewhere you're going to tip it off tip your hand and if they guess right they can pick everything up if you're not making them pay so you got to make it pay um the other thing i'd like to add to this is and coach tony talked about this on the previous podcast is having it where you know you bring those guys up in the a gaps uh if you're if you're bluffing uh two a gaps and bringing a guy off the edge and having the dn read twist to the field or the back where the guy fans on me, I rip inside, he goes down, I come right off his butt. Those sort of things that a lot of people are doing are, are great ways where if you don't know what you're going to get, you can read your way out of it. Oh, yeah. Now, switching gears to another defense uh, a thought process and scheme that's really kind of caught the defensive community, not by surprise, but it's kind of caught on like wildfire, so to speak. I want to talk about the tight front. Uh, tight front for those of you who don't know some people call it mint um some people call it oaky there's some other names for it the the basic premise is either out of three or four down personnel you're playing a zero nose two four eyes and then one of your overhangs is some sort of nickel and, and you can do it with a sam linebacker as well but for the 11 if the spread stuff 11 10 personnel usually the overhang to the passing strength or the field your nickel, some people call it a star, and the overhang away from the passing strength and or into the boundary is like a jack linebacker or an outside linebacker. Those are kind of the basic tenets of the front. And 
we've talked about this front a lot on this podcast. Um, you know, we had Ty Gower on. Um, he talked about that he gave me some math equation, which I still screw up, which is basically when the fundamentals is you have three guys occupying five blockers and you have three guys playing four interior gaps, basically. And 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 the, one of the linebackers fits and, and there's some other things that happen, but you're trying to take take off blockers with those down guys. And so you can keep guys in the second level to scrape and 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 with the zero and the four, I give some of the zone problems. So we we talked about what it is, but I want to talk about more to Coach Roberts, why he likes it and where it's going next. So, Coach, what what's kind of your give us a little bit of a background in your history with with the tight front and how you came to start using it. Um. Well, you know, we probably started playing the four eyes probably around two thousand. I'm gonna say I think yeah, and um, it. Uh, uh, it's well, we did some earlier than that, you know. But again, it goes back to probably the 90s. Really didn't know a lot, of, you know, some of me, what I was doing, <laughs> but you know, you're experimenting with everything else. Um, it's great versus the zone play when there's evolution, it really popped up when you know, when the zone, when the zone became prevalent in the early, uh, I'm gonna say five to ten around there, the one back zone play, zone, 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 zone read kind of took its birth um it became a, a really good play versus that because in the spread world with those you've done like you just mentioned you got three guys occupying five and you're fitting the backers off and love the uh, the the smaller linebackers to not get that 50 world where you had to be the the b gap plugger iso lead play doing all that stuff now he could run and occupy, you know, and then occupy, those guys can occupy the blockers up front and give those guys a little more freedom for a maybe a smaller, more athletic linebacker to play. He's covered up, he can run. So we kind of really, you know, whether it be two four eyes or somehow moving to it, that really became a real prevalent thing. Uh, probably around, uh, we probably did a lot more of it somewhere around six, seven, eight. Yeah, five, yeah, no, six, seven, eight is probably where it really just took, really tried to do quite a bit of it. And when people without their answers were, uh, oh, it would turn into a zone world and their zone and everybody is four down, uh, you know, they really didn't have answers for it. Because I think that, that that is kind of a built for a zone scheme, guys working east and west, you know, uh, and working the combos. And uh, so you're occupying two people on the doubles. Um, now the problems with it when they turn back into power football, whether it be gap scheme uh, or some, you know power or GT or GY counter, and then something start working in the power game or reading him and turning his t- you know turning the four eyes loose, not blocking the four eyes and reading them in the front. Um, that those are the things obviously I think that come you're seeing people do more and more uh, against the tight front. Uh, that give it issues, give it a lot of problems, you know, but as a general rule, it became really good versus the zone team, zone read, and they're playing the East and West with the RPOs and, and all that stuff. It was a pretty good answer off this, off the start. And, it, and a lot of times it still is a really good answer. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there are problems with it, you know, of sitting in that defense and just, and just, and that's it. And that's all you're going to do. Um, Cause it's kind of based off ideas. Yeah. If you want those three guys to occupy five, 
or your nose has to win, you know? Right. And if your if your nose can't win and they're climbing the guards up on the backers, well, then you got problems, you know, um, can they not get what you want? But if you can get like they're running straight zone and they're double the nose and double the fly and a single usually occurs on the back, on the guy to the running back on traditional zone, zone read, there's one single, there's two doubles, you know? And so the question is, can your nose make, can they make, he force the double team? And can this guy over here, this four eye on the backside to the side of the running back, can he not get the scooped out? And can he win that four? Can he win that B gap? If you can do those two things, well, then stay in it. <laughs> yeah. They have trouble blocking it. Yeah. They're going to have trouble blocking it. Now, and it always comes back to X's and, you know, it's not the X's and O's, Jimmy's and the Joe's, you know. And if yeah. you, you can get that front to look great for a lot of people. But all of a sudden, you know, when we were big up front and we were very physical up front, and, you know, uh, they were going to have trouble, you know, manning a guy. And for years, they could not block our four technique to the side of the back. You know, and he was going to take from the B gap, really that tackle all the way to the center. He was building, he could take all that gap. So there's now, there's not zone. There's not zone cutback. There's no zone cutback. He's winning. Right. Um, and so that makes that, 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 that becomes a really good defense. You know, can you do that? Um, if you can't, that's when you, you've got to move the front, you know, and I think this is a compliment again. What world are you living in? Are you little, you have really good people? Well, then you can do some different things. Uh, if you're in that world where you're in the middle of a pack in your district or in your conference and or you don't have the best people, well, you have to move that nose guard. I got to get him to either create, to either zone and to move him and he has to force the double team because he can't be singled by the center. Um, and, and force the double team that way, or or he becomes single and he's cutting his own playoff. And the same thing, you're getting the same thing on the backside four. You're you're you're, you're slanting him. He's cutting the playoff and he's forcing a uh, the zone cut back into a tight window on a tight box. And that's uh, and to me that's I mean in simple terms that's the whole uh, dilemma on the on the tight front. Right. So what are some of the and you've mentioned a couple of things that are probably your main kind of curveballs off of that. And I'm just speaking strictly about the box, you know, tackle to tackle, obviously a little bit outside of that tackle. The coverages are pretty simple. They're pretty straightforward. A lot of it is stuff that we've all seen. We've talked about this here on the podcast. You're playing quarters. Um, you're playing quarter, quarter, half and bringing the weak side overhang of Jack or whatever you want to call him. You're bringing the star from the field and rotating down to three. We talked about that at the top of the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. That Those sort of answers, you know, the coverage side, I'm sorry. You know, people are playing stubby, special, lock, mini, whatever you want to call it, trips, or they're poaching the backside and playing quarters. Some people have had some different trips adjustments. So I'm specifically talking about the box with the, you know, the three down lineman and one of the overhangs, the jack, if you want to count him in the game. And the two inside linebackers. Um, what are some other things that coaches should look at to complement their tight package? Because I I've told this story many times. We were in a big game. We felt that playing four down was not the way to go. We put in the three down tight stuff. I didn't really know it was a thing. To be honest with you, I didn't know what it all entailed. We actually had the fits backwards. <laughs> the backers. It worked. We we were successful in that game. And then in the off season, I went on a trek to find all these answers and 
I know a lot of guys that are dabbling in it that are in my world where they're playing four down and it's kind of a package. We have the basic tight front, maybe bring the guy from the field and play cover three and maybe a plug here and there. But what are some of the guys that, you know, they they use the tight front as a change up last year. They put the base stuff in the quarters, the main stuff we just talked about. What are some of the next step that guys should start looking at doing specifically to kind of make that front better? And you kind of touched on a little bit of it, but how would it all work together? Yeah, I think the first, I mean, you can, I mean, there's simple things you can do. I mean, just in that tight world, giving some type of call to your nose guard is telling him to slant to a gap or to shade to a gap or move him one way or another again to force either the double team or, or get him in that single situation. You know, most people, I guess, like when you're taking schemes, if you're they're blocking the odd front, they're going to want to zone to the jack. Okay. As a simple thing, most of them want to zone to the jack. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and to do that, again, you're going to get the double on the set on the nose guard and you're going to get the double on the, or nothing. You're going to get double on the nose guard and then you're going to get them fanning out the four eye to the jack on the, on the front side of it. Uh, the only other thing they can do a lot of times is put the tight end to the same side as Jack if they want to zone it to the field. And somehow they got to get that guy blocked, you know, because um, you know, when you have him and then you have the Mike Backer, the other option is people will get in the, to block the tight front. It's just straight manic. They're taking single the nose guard. Now they're taking the both, the both guards up to your backers right now. Uh, and that, to me, I mean, offensively, I don't think I think a lot of offense that kind of scares them to do that because they're not getting movement. You know, and the whole idea of running the zone is trying to get get movement on level one and get them up, and it kind of goes against their whole thought process to do that. But uh, in that world, again, if you're just sitting in tight front and they can do that, then you're going to have you're going to have problems if they man like that and just put the two guards up on the backers and single the, uh, the nose guard and let the back cut off them. And it's a good play, and a lot of people do. And there's some, not a lot, but there's some people that are doing that right there. Um, but I said the answer is also if you give them the chalk last, and he knows where you're going to sit, then people are good enough nowadays. They're going to have the answer. So I think the whole thing there's you got to move that move that nose, or move all three of the down guys and be able to slam them either back to the field or slam them back into the boundary. But you mentioned also about bringing the nickel off the field, the field side and slant those three guys back and that. And again, it just, to me, it's just about uh, not giving them the chalk last. Right. And, I, and I've and i started seeing some people actually start moving the front, physically moving people. So it looks like tight, but you'll see some people move um the nose one way or the other and line them up there if, if you have a bigger guy that's not that you can't slant moving one of those fours to a three four eyes to a three um you know to try to take away certain things um and and it's very and it's also personnel centric if you have a smaller nose it's quicker i'd slant them that's just me if you have a big war daddy then you know line them up and it all and it all works in um, in conjunction with each other. So if you're moving a guy one way, you need to pull the chain with the other guy. You need to compensate for that. And, you know, to try to get that single block is one of the things you mentioned early on was the backside. And this is just my take on it. You can tell me what you think. You know, the, this, it, the, the tight stuff was, is really good versus 
teams that were starting to run zone on the same side as the back. And I'm not saying zone to the side of the back, but we're really cutting that thing back where you, like you said, you had a dominant four eye. That's where the single is. And so it makes it harder. But now guys, it's almost like, you know, they're running mid zone, regular inside zone, crossing the tail of the center. And then people started running it back to the side of the back and winding it back. And then the tight front came popular and I'm starting to see teams run more. Okay. We're going to go back to running the zone on the other side. So moving guys around so you can take advantage of where that single block is is something that I think is is going to be the next kind of step. Uh, what do you think that coaches are going to start to see from offenses? Uh, as you know, as anybody knows, a lot of these type of things trickle down um, with, with uh, some of these answers. And coaches are going to start running different plays. I've seen it this whole offseason. I've seen guys presenting plays to defend the tight front. What are some of the things that you think high school coaches specifically need to be ready for that you think that they, when people start running early in the season in college, you're going to start to see it, and then high school guys will start to see it and pick it up, or concepts that high school coaches you think have come up with on their own. What are some of those things that you think we need to be ready for? Well, I'm going to say this uh, again. I'll say is I think everything's cyclical. It only goes back and comes back. In the 90s and 80s and 90s, and when I started coaching in the 90s, was a, a simple thing offensively was if they're on the odd front, you went two tight ends and you balanced them up, you know? And uh, I think that the last 10 years, majority of teams didn't live in that world. You know, the two tight end stuff kind of, even the one tight end for years, it was kind of people were playing with four open and that's all they were playing. Tight ends kind of emerged back and now 11 personnel is the, 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 the go-to and that's the, that's the thing. Um, but I think obviously people, there's there going to be people, a lot of them are going to go back to the, you know, two tight ends, balance you up, um, and do that. I think that's that's kind of the issue. Uh, and then the RPO thing is really kind of it's kind of even the world. I mean, you're getting that, and so I think I think that's here to stay for quite a while. You know, because a lot of the people that are growing up in it right now, these new these young guys coming in, these young coordinators and stuff, and it's it's really all they know. So their answer is going to be to read somebody and throw off someone. You know. Um, and that's the world they're going to live in probably, you know, majority of their career. It's, it's going to be their comfort zone. It's where they're at and it's, it's what they're going to do. So I think it's going to be here for quite a while. The whole RPO is going to be the answer to, for a lot of these offenses. And then you're going to see the guys that are traditional ground that, not, you know, there's not many of them. There's usually in college football there's one in every conference, you know, but it's probably going to swing back to more. There's people getting in that stuff for the big ten, old school Big Ten football where, you're getting in a, got one tight end or two tight ends and the Stanford stuff and be able to do that to, to, to get in there and run the football. Yeah, it's, it's, you're right. Everything is cyclical. I just pray to the football gods that everybody forgets the mid two thousands Boise offense. I hope that everybody mm-hmm. forgets that that ever existed and that never comes back. Cause that was a, 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 a a form of human torture playing that stuff with all the shifts <laughs> and motions and give me, oh, give yeah. me speed, give me going fast every day. I hate that stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, what are some other play? Is there any specific plays? I know that some guys are talking a lot about singling the nose and pulling like both guards, running some buck sweep style stuff. Are there any specific plays in particular we should look for or be ready to stop? 
Well, I mean, I, I think I think high school a lot of times you're seeing a whole different world. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you're getting the wing key offenses, you're getting the two tight double slot. You know, uh, people in there that are pounding the football, um, and uh, so I, you know, again, I think any of the 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 tight front world where they're going to have success or where people are going to change it up is when they're they're creating angles. It's like almost like anything, but they're creating angles. And be able to get the numbers on, and that's all pin and pull does. It's, it's angle blocks down, it's creating the creating the numbers on the turn wants to pull the two guys out. Um, and how can you even those odds? And how can I right. even those numbers back? You know. Um, so I don't. I mean, I think you guys are going to see a lot more of that stuff. Especially, I mean, and it's been there forever. You guys, I'm sure you're still seeing. I know the wing key was very prevalent there in the Central Valley for for years, and I'm sure uh, it's. So I'm sure it's still it's got a stamp on a lot of teams there. Um, and that, and, and to me, the, the, the tight four world is is really good for that stuff. Really, why why do you say that? Um, because I think in that whole wing T world, um, that when you, like I said, not just sit in it. I mean, I'm talking about getting a three four and building. Can you move the nose? Same concepts. Can you can you get? Can you? Is the center going to single the guy? And can can you make them double him? You know, so I don't think I'll sit in it, but I'm getting in a three-four world. Uh, you know, again, where they're they're so dominant about pulling the guards. You know, there's two things obviously defending and, and the wing tee, and that goes back to years of doing it. Was you know the the wing tee system I was driving pulling the guards, getting in an odd front and be able to get the backers to match the guards so I can educate the numbers wherever I was going. You know, and then the other thing about defending the wing tee was always about defending that power alley, the C gap power alley. How are you going to play that? Whether it be the buck sweep series, you know, how do you about the tight end wing? Traditional, I'm true wing T. A lot of people say wing T and they're not, but true wing T with a tight end and a wing. And how how are you can defend that power alley there. And I think, and you can do those. I think both out of the the tight front because our three four, uh, you got a nine technique there. But I got a I got a with a four eye head up four or slanting them out to a five technique. And again, I'm changing the numbers, you know. And so I think that, that gets a lot of those teams uh, a lot of fits there uh, in that world. That makes perfect sense. Now, I mentioned with the tight front, we were going to talk about the box. We've pretty much covered the box and, and how that all fits together. I want to talk about some of your favorite coverages to run different versus different flanks, two by two, three by one, maybe nub trips, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends if we're talking about how the tight world. Well, we're, we're probably a little different on this part, and this kind of changes. When we go into three, four world, our three, four quarters is its own coverage. I don't mix the three, four quarters and the four down quarters together. Gotcha. Just so we have a we, we got a different check system and how we're going to handle three by one and how we're going to how we're going to do all that. Um, so predominantly though, we're, if we're an odd front, you know, again, it's a it's a that's traditionally going to be a, a quarters based uh now we will do some one high out of it and we'll roll we'll either you know roll the strong side safety down in there and get him in the the, the strong side hook or we can do a weak rotation and we'll roll him down weak and give it a traditional uh three look that way um but uh that's i mean that's really our basic thing is really to come out there in quarters coverage and play it and if we were to go three by one Again, how we how we would handle it. Uh, two basic ways: either to 
uh, check some type of mini inside, or you're putting the free uh, the, the the high safety and the, and the, the, the nickel. Uh, they're reading two and three, you know, and you're playing that palms concept on two and three. Now the only concept out of that is you want to be able to some way to play some type of I don't know what you call it, or some type of stump coverage where you you now you have a hard safety. Get in the flat foot, let him be the curl flat, apex the corner, and let the safety play between two over the top of two and three. Uh, and just to give yourself a, uh, your star not having to be, or your nickel not having to be um, so soft on any type of uh, perimeter game, bubble screens, all that kind of stuff out there in that world. Um, and that's really, I mean, that's really it. We don't do a whole lot out of it. You know, if we're going to get into it, it's going to really change the whole concept of. Or we play a different, you know, if we're going to send the fourth guy, that's a total different, we classify as that's a total different quarters world. Um, so when we, we designate a fourth down, a fourth rusher, now we can be playing quarters, quarter, quarter, half, quarters, quarter, half match, or quarters match. Um, and then again, that would be our, our lead coverage in a four down. Right. Yeah. It's, um, I think one of the underutilized aspects in the front is plugging one of those inside guys and doing it with a purpose. Um, you know, plug into the tight end if you're seeing the zone cut play, you know, moving that four eye. Uh, if you're seeing a lot of zone stuff, maybe coming to the side of the back, slating the nose away from the back, just different sort of things like that. Um, I, I, I think especially coaches coming from a four down world, I will tell you that, you know, a lot of four two five teams that I know four down teams that live in that world, make adjustments with their coverage. They're not, you know, bringing an inside backer in my world is not something that we really do a lot of. I mean, there are different right. pass game. Yes. If we're trying to overload and bring, you know, both guys, but in terms of solving problems with the run, we move the front more than bringing a guy in. And so when I got into that three down, quote unquote, three down world with the tight front, I overlooked those plugs and they really have a place. If you're going to run this, and especially if it's your second year and you're looking to beef up a cheap and easy way uh, to do that is move your nose one way, bring a guy in the A gap the other way, or attacking, you know, everybody tries to attack the C area in this defense to get thicker on that C area, either to bring a guy in the C area or loop your four eye in the C area and bring somebody in the B gap, different things that you can do in that world are very helpful. So uh, one last thing I wanted to talk to you about before we get to the end, uh, we talked about the lag technique and for listeners that haven't heard in the other podcasts, lag technique to me and to a lot of coaches that I know is you are playing the backside a gap. So you're head up on somebody you're coming out of your hips. You're striking. A lot of the times it's used on the 3-4 world where the nose is playing lag, which is to the side of the back. He's coming out of his hips. He's striking the center. And then at, as I'm coming straight ahead, the center is stepping one way. So I'm kind of trying to stay as head up as I can. And really a, a lag in a perfect world is falling back at the last second. You don't want to come off too early because if it's more like a slant, that center can climb. Now, something that Coach Roberts does that was really fascinating to me, especially because I was told, oh, you can't do this for so many years, is Coach plays head-up twos and lags and to both sides. And it's really interesting because you get one thing versus zone, you get another thing versus gap. And really, 
you kind of get what you you get the best of both worlds. You, you really get what you want. And so to me, it was really fascinating. And and coach, if you wouldn't mind, take us through your double twos package and how you play that. Yeah, well, that would be you know out of a four, in a four down. So we're in a four down world. And if we were just talking about 11 personnel Y off, you know, I'm not talking about 11 personnel Y off. Um, again, playing true traditional five techniques. Uh, and those guys, again, playing a, a, a react attack. Um, I think uh, in that world, there's two things. You know, one, it, it became prevalent. We started using a lot when we used to see the pistol. And you didn't know which way, the, where's the zone going to occur. And so we did it really back then was a reason was to make sure we had a three technique to the side of the zone either way. So if he's in the pistol, you don't know where it's going to come. So if he was, let's say the traditional scheme, we're saying we're looking at the offense and he's in the pistol and the back goes to the right and there's zoning to the left. Um, that lag technique again, now he's still, it's an attack. It's not, you know, he, he needs to step punch, right? I'm striking the guard. Okay, but my gap responsibility on the zone now he becomes the B gap player, and then on the other side, you would get the same thing. So the guard, the the, the two technique, right? He's going to step, strike the guard. He gets the center coming to him. He's going to lag. He would be the A gap defender. The other guy was the B gap defender, and you get back to a three and a one technique. It's just depending. You're going to get it based off of where the zones occurring. So you're going to get a three technique, and it's really good on trying to eliminate the cutback. If they're a zone team that's hitting the front side and trying to cut that ball back in there, is that uh, you know you always get that three technique to the, the to that gap uh, makes the world a little bit easier on your five technique not having to squeeze as far, so you're not having to run it to the zone you know, to the bubble. Um, and uh, you know again I, I think it's been pretty prevalent and it's been pretty successful for us to do that as a change up. And again it's back to those things we, we kind of use it as, as a knuckleball. Uh, you talk about the curves, the, the change-ups, the knuckleballs, and um, uh, using that concept. Now, there's time years when we had to play quite a bit of it. Actually, this last year we had to play quite a bit of it. We were very uh, young and, and weren't very good up front. You know, the success of that was a lot of them was that you know, guys getting cut out of gaps and not being able to – if you got guys that are getting cut out of gaps and they can't stay in a gap, and you put them in twos, and now now he's now he's reached and he's wrong, but it's fine. He's, he's just he's can play whatever gap he's in. And, and you get an answer it that way. Um, so it, it's been time when we had some young guys that maybe weren't ready to play, but had to come in and play. It's been something we were able to do to, to again, to hopefully try to put them in the best situation possible. It's a great concept and one that when first explained, I was like, oh, that's like, okay. Or not really first explained, but trying to figure it out. I'm like, oh, I don't know how that fits. And then, um, you know, I spoke with uh, Coach Golding when I was at Alabama, and he he talked about some of the things when I asked him about when he was back at UTSA because I had just talked to you, but we didn't get to talk in depth. And he took me through it, and I was like, that's genius. <laughs> that is absolutely genius. One thing I want to ask, though, and he said it real quick, and I, I he had to go or so, something happened. We got interrupted, and I, I didn't get to get the, the coaching point finished. Maybe you can help me. Is... He said to me, he goes, which the zone makes sense. If if the, if they're opening to the left, if it's pistol, they're opening to the defensive left, which means the line's blocking to the right. The left side two is going to lag, which turns him into the three. The right side two is lagging, which turns him into the one. And one thing you have to do is coach those backers up to know which gaps you have, which I think to me is the hardest part. 
but he said something about with the gap schemes. And he said, you get such and such to where you want it. And then he had to go or something. I, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I didn't get the whole point. So let's say you're seeing a pistol team that's running some sort of power. How does that work in with gap schemes? And how do those guys play the technique? Well, it's the same. You're going to get the same thing. You're going to get a, basically a three. They're going to treat that two as a three technique. And they're going to double it. You know, because they don't know if he, they don't know if he's especially they don't know if he's moving or where is he playing at. So, as uh, you when you get the gap scheme, typically you're still going to get the three technique to wherever the gap scheme is, as opposed to having a free release tackle uh, up on the backer. You know, a lot of people want to run. They run the power of the gap scheme, and on that one side, you got a tackle coming down on a free release. You know, it's going to seal your backer. And so that becomes the tough part of defending the gap, the counter plays and stuff like that, is because how are you going to handle this when this guy's got an angle on this backer, you know? And that happens because you got to get two across the top to fit the, you know, to fit the counter game. Well, if he's they're running it to the bubble, you're going to get a free release. This backside backer is going to be in a, you know, he's going to be in a real challenge in that. Or you got to your five techniques got to play so tight that he's really got to mash his tackle down to keep him off the backer. And uh, so one of the things that, that that front, the two twos can do is the same thing. It's going to give you the three technique to the side of, of the gap scheme, and it's going to keep that tackle from a straight uh, veer release. So a lot of times he'll veer, that guy will lag in the B gap. So the guy that's actually going to come off is going to be the, the guard. And again, that one gap over, a lot of times he doesn't have the angle on the backside back. He gets over the top and you got two at the counter. Gotcha. So I, I, now let's go back to that, what I previously said. So let's say it's pistol. Okay. You've uh, got yeah. that we're still running to the right. So the quarterback opens to the defensive left. I'm the two technique yeah. to the left. My guy pulls. So I immediately yep. look to the center. Correct. Yep. And yep. Now I'm the right side two technique. I'm reading my guard. He bases me. He's not zoning me. And he feels that double coming. Is he looking now? Is are you telling that two technique? Hey, if I get a straight up drive block, expect. So if he steps for zone, it's zone lag. But if he comes straight off at me, look outside to the tackle and then work to that gap. Like how are you teaching that technique? Like how, what's like the yeah, footwork so, of the eyes or yeah. anything? So he would just. I mean, you think about him in terms of being a tight three. That's almost how you're gonna play it. So I'm gonna be. I come off in a straight base, so I come out of my cleats, I strike. Right before I do anything, I got to you know, I need to feel this tackle coming down. When he's coming down, I'm gonna work my hip into the, the right side tackle, right? And I'm gonna try to recapture my V gap. Right. So got I actually it. two hand press I should two hand press the guard back in, right? And try to create separation off the double just like you would in any other double team. Got it. The key is attacking because it's 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 different. I almost think it cleans it up because when you get a young guy, you know, we have some guys moving inside this year that were ends and, you know, they haven't watched any old Bruce Lee movies. They try to fight two guys at one time. You know, you got to take out one yeah. guy and then go take out the other guy. They try and like, I, I hit the three and then I, or I'm the three. I hit the guard and the tackles coming in and I like try to grab him. And you're like, no, 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 stop. I almost think right. for younger guys being in a two, it makes it even easier a tight three because, I'm literally head up on this guy. I'm striking into him. And then it's a secondary thing where I'm going to get my hips or however you teach your doubles into that guy coming down. I mean, it almost feels like it cleans it up. 
it, it can be real effective, especially if, like uh, you know, how good are their guards and you know, I mean, all that comes into those personnel matchups too, you know. Now, let me ask you this. If you're seeing a team that is offset gun and you, I mean, they can run counter back to the same side. Uh, yes. Uh, I call it, you know, counter, I call it kick or counter kick where you open up to the side and instead of running away from the side that you open up, you run to the side and the, like the right side guard pulls with the quarterback opening mm. up to the left. I know there is some of that, yep. but do you change right. your technique or your thought process at all if they are offset? And you say, hey, guys, we're going to get the zone. Normally we read it, but hey, the back's to the left. So let's take that exact uh, scenario we just talked about. But now the back is offset to the left. The quarterback is still opening to the left, but you know he's going over there to your right. Do you tell those guys to play it any differently or do you play it straight and still play the same exact technique that if you're in the pistol? Uh, We would, I mean, we'd talk about camp rules. We would play it the same. Okay. If we had if we had a heavy beat on what was happening, then we're all yeah, we're gonna try to cheat. Yeah. That's what we yeah. determined as cheat. Right. Yeah. Well it feels like and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm just learning this stuff. It feels like cheating if you're if you're not careful can hurt you because the whole thing, like you said earlier, is it gets you to where you want to be in both scenarios. Where if I'm the left side three technique, I need to be to I need to be to the left of the guard. In zone, I need to be that three technique to the back, but on the power, I need to get to the right more. So if you cheat, you guess. It's almost like some. You feel, almost feel like it's you guess wrong. Um, right. You don't. You don't want to get in that guessing world. Yeah. So I mean, our camp rules be played up. I mean, if we felt that we really had something, then you can cheat. You know what I mean? Right. But I mean, you got to be hundred percent on this. What they do? Yeah. Like if the back is up and flat, and you're like, hey, it's stretch. <laughs> You know, right. slant right, stuff like right. that. Okay, I got you. Yeah. Well, yeah. Coach, you, yeah. you've been so generous with your time. Um, I've learned so much from you on and off the pod. So we're going to start winding this down. But before I let you go, I'm going to ask the same question I ask every week. I call it the question. I know I'm really, I'm really bad at naming stuff. So here is the scenario. Tell me what's the first thing off the top of your head. Now, for the listeners, Coach is actually... Uh, is a listener of the podcast. It's actually how we got connected. Uh, I couldn't believe it. Uh, one night I was sitting at home and it said, uh, Ron Roberts, I, I had a tweet about Coach Watts coming on from Fresno State. And it said, Ron Roberts liked your tweet. And I went, no, not that. Not the Ron Roberts. Not the Ron Roberts I've been studying all offseason. And so I opened it up and sure enough, it was it was you and I... You 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 gave me your number and invited me out, and I was I was blown away. So, you have heard this question before, so you know it's coming. So sometimes I catch guys off guard, um, but you you know it's about to come. So and actually before before we get into the question, let me ask you this: Give us your uh, uh, your Twitter handle and all that stuff first. Uh, Coach Ron Roberts. So it's just at Coach Ron Roberts. Okay. Yeah, at Coach Ron Roberts. Yep. And then go ahead and throw that website yeah. out URL, the URL for your website again. Uh, yeah, there's a different one. Uh, so the, the website is uh, ronrobertsfootball.com. dot com, mm -hmm. and there's a Twitter handle on that to, that's really ran by interns and stuff. So it's not a personal one because it hits me. It's it's uh, at Ron Roberts uh, FB Football. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
Let's get into the question. So it's fourth and nine from the 35-yard line going in. You're up by two points. There's 12 seconds left in the game. The other team has a great field goal kicker. They feel that if they can just get the first, they're not trying to take a deep shot and score on the play. If they feel like you can just get the first and kick the field goal, they'll win the game. Um, You have one timeout left because Coach Moorhead, he asked me, what's a timeout situation? So I'll say you have one timeout left. Um, What call are you going to make in that situation? What's the first thing that kind of comes to your head or what's your gut tell you? Yeah, first I want to, is he on the kick line? You said he can make it from there? He can't make oh, it from to... where he is now, but if they get the first, they're on the 35 still. It's it, it's dicey, but yeah. what they're trying to do is the guy's got ice in his veins. He They think they can get that nine yards, they can get that 10 yards, and there's no real stud. I mean, we're again, this is hypothetical. You don't know what the team is. Right. They're going to be in right. a 10 personnel, four receiver look, and they're just trying to get the first down and get the kicker in the game. They have a timeout as well, and they're just trying to kick that field goal. Yeah. Conceptually, there's two things that, you know, and I'll talk more commonly. I mean, hit this and you guys can do a call if you want. But if he's not inside the kick line and he's playing coverage, I'm like I said, I'm defending that nine-yard mark. So I would, play, I would rush four and play coverage. You know, and I'm defending that nine-yard mark or whatever kick. Now, if he's on the kick line, Right where he's got it, or he's close enough two, three yards from that kick line, then I'm going to go after him because we got to get a sack to get him out of the kick, get him out of the field goal territory. So if he's in right there, I'm probably I'm rushing four. Um, could be creeper depending on our protection, but I would probably rush four and play something like too high match coverage. Mm-hmm. What if you want to heat them up? What's what's something that you're uh, if if they're a little closer? You teased me a little bit, so I gotta ask. If they're a little <laughs> closer, what do you what are you thinking? Yeah. So he hits a kick line. Uh, I'm probably gonna go with double A gap, zero pressure. I I'm love it. In. I love yeah. it. That's so great. Yeah. Coach, thank you so much for your time. You've been so generous. I know you're on vacation and you took time out of that vacation to talk to me. Thank you again. I, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it, and I look forward to talking to you again in the future. Well, thank you. Hey, I really appreciate what you're doing for the profession. I think this is, I think what you're doing is awesome. I wish it was around 25 years ago, um, but any way I can help, I'd be more happy to. And he's, he's telling the truth, guys. He is telling the truth. He's helping. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Make Defense Great Again. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Coach Roberts as much as I did. If you like the podcast, you can rate and review it on the app of your choice. Also, make sure to follow me at Coach Vass on Twitter and the podcast account at MDGAPod. Also, be sure to visit my website, www.coachvass.com, where you can find the links to our pop-up clinics, guest blog posts from the future, links to articles I've done, and a form to fill out you're interested in having me consult your football team in the offseason there's a way for you to sign up for the mailing list to keep informed on important news and announcements also there will be a form for you to fill out for the in-season q a podcast where you can ask questions for myself and a guest and we will help you game plan this podcast exists because of listener support if you like what you've heard and you feel it's worth donating 
can do so by going to www.coachvass.com forward slash donate to see a link to PayPal, Venmo, and Cash App. You can also Venmo me directly at Coach Vass or Cash App me at dollar sign Coach Vass. The funds are being invested back into the show. And because of your generosity, I'm talking on my super sweet new mic and it's freaking awesome. This podcast is done for football coaches by football coaches. You are a part of this community if you're listening. And I encourage you to reach out on Twitter and come say hi and interact with some of the guests. Everybody on there is is happy to talk. I know it's going to slow down a little bit on there now that the season started. But we've built a really good community this off season, and I can't wait to see what happens in the next year or so. And last but not least, always remember, the quarterback can't see with tears in his eyes.